Hello and welcome back to the Game Pit. This is episode 181. You might not know who I am because I'm not on very much these days. I'm Sean and here is your more regular host, Ronan. I'm going to call you guest superstar. <laughs> yeah, let's just stick at guest, shall we? <laughs> so superstar. We'll go with superstar. How are you? I am fine and dandy. And how are you? I've been listening to your your two-player pit battle. You're getting a bit stroppy at times there. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you that Thundergriff games. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about whether we're going to Essen or not. I hope they haven't got a stand. I'll be throwing rule books at them from across the hall. Right one! But some good ones? Yeah, some good ones in there too. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm. Did you listen to my Three Sisters? I know you did. The Three Sisters review. I did listen to your Three Sisters review. Because I know you like that game. I thought you might want to say something. I'm more more upset about your Ark Nova review, to be honest. Well, oh, that's see, those are the two that I was going to ask you about. As soon as you've got a chance to have a little <laughs> chat. Three Sisters <laughs> is a game where I think you grokked very quickly. I think you mentioned that in your in your review. Well, that's unusual. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I didn't. So for me, there was more there to still explore and tinker with, and I I didn't feel like I'd. I knew the game inside out and I didn't feel like I'd worked out the optimum way of scoring. I was rubbish at it because Natalie almost doubled my points when we played it. So I've still got a few more games of Three Sisters. Now let's move on to Ark Nova. You wrong, wrongen from wrong town. No one agrees with you. It's not highly rated. So just move on. <laughs> That's the, well, that is the thing. Is it is nobody really knows about it it's kind of flown under the radar and for good reason obviously because you, you obviously pointed those reasons out but I might be one of those naysayers that actually likes the game and I do see the flaws I do think there is a, a problem with the amount of cards that you get throughout the game but I just have so much fun playing this game I love it I love building the zoo I love getting the different animals into my hand and, and making the best of what I, I've got. I've kind of got my head round that I'm not always going to be perfect at this game because you can't be because there's too many cards, too many options, but just making the best of what you've got. And that's, to me, is a different challenge every time, and that's why I like it. Do you ever get frustrated at the end game when someone finishes it and you need one more turn and it would have made a big difference? No, because I usually win. <laughs> the opposite of three sisters <laughs> it falls into your zone of competence that's unusual there you go <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't had that frustration but I, if, even if I did isn't that the same with a lot of games you just oh, if I just had one more turn I could have done this this and this and this and I, I kind of like that because the next time I think right how do I be more competent at the game to make sure that's not a factor and I, I'm not saying I get to that point but at least it's something to aim for uh, that's fine when I'm well beaten at it and like I see like, that person's just played better and I've been behind all the way, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to retreat into my own little world and do my own thing. When it's close, it's so annoying. Anyway, we're not going to agree on and over ever. Is there anything else exciting you've been playing that you want to mention quickly, seeing as you've got, you've got the floor, it's yours, it's all yours? Acropolis. I've been playing a little tire lay game, very simple, five minutes to teach, only takes about 25 minutes to play. But there's a lot of nuance in it, a lot of different things that you can you can try and do. And it's a drafting game as well. So it's picking the right tiles, putting them in the right places to score you as much points as you can. A very clever little game. 
overused term, but doesn't that stay its welcome? And uh, yeah, I've been playing that quite a lot. Who's it from? Oh, you're, you're killing me now. I know Hachette brought it into the country. It's actually sitting in front of me now, but I can't quite see the, the actual publishers. But Hachette for, for the UK. I'll whistle, and you just get up and have a quick look. And I'll you whistle. Go on, I'll lift, up, I'll lift up my copy of Jamaica that I really didn't like. <laughs> it's from a gigamic. That was totally worth that. Ten seconds. There you go. There you go. Just, just for that, gigamic. <laughs> Never heard of it. Bring it down. Anything else? Not really. Been playing a little bit of my father's work, but uh, yeah, Renegade kind of dropped the ball a little bit at the, at the beginning when we got it as Kickstarters, and uh, didn't actually provide the finish app. It's very unusual for this podcast to have a go at Renegade for something. <laughs> it's very. We should get Matthew in just to have, yeah, have like raw. Renegade doing all the hard work and then dropping it on the easy bit. <laughs> Allegedly, they said it in the comments that they send out to the Kickstarter backers that this is not going to be ready at the same time as the game is. But it felt, all felt a bit weird because a company the size of Renegade not being able to have an app ready in the same time it takes to publish a, a board game, which was like a year and a half. Bit odd. But anyway, there you go. But it's a very good game. <laughs> Once I did get to play it, it's a very good game. I liked it. I'm glad you carried on because I had nothing to add on how long it takes to develop an app. But I'm nicking it from you. So hopefully they'll hear about it at some point. Fair enough. Groovy, anything else to say before we get into the actual meat of this episode? I'll tell you what, Ronan. I think there's going to be a couple of my games in my... Oh, we haven't told them what we're doing, Ronan. Ah, so today we're doing our 80 You're right to 71. Okay. <laughs> doing our 80 to 71 in our top 100 countdown so this will make more sense now there's a couple of games in in my list today that i think you're going to mm, stroke your chin and call me on i look forward to it mine are it's a pretty high quality list but i think it's a pretty expected list i don't think i've got too many left fields in here apart from maybe the first one very good, very good. Right, I'm pretty shall confident, we crack I'm pretty confident in here? Yeah, who goes first? Is it me? I think I go first, do I? It's you, it's you, you go first. Okay, all right. My number 80, which is the uh, definitely the smallest sort of one and least known game here, is Doth de Mayo, or the 2nd of May. And it is a two-player cube and card, kind of a... Definitely a conflict, kind of a skirmish game, very hard to to describe. So the whole story is... Napoleon said to Spain, let us go through here just so we can get down to the bottom of the Iberian Peninsula uh, and march my troops down and, and we'll just leave you alone. And they went, oh, but it was Napoleon. He had a lot of, a lot of soldiers. So they said, oh, we kind of have to. And then he just decided he was taking over Spain on the way. So the Dos de Mayo <laughs> is celebrated as resistance from the the peasantry. I don't, maybe not the peasantry. Who knows? They might have had money. I don't know who they were. The uh, citizens of Madrid uh, when Napoleon's forces were coming through and they had a doomed attempt to slow him down. And they did slow him down, but eventually they got wiped out and Madrid was taken over. But the sort of symbolism of their resistance became something that the whole resistance of the Spanish coalesced around and sort of the spirit of Dos de Mayo and all this. And, and that's where their resistance against Napoleon grew and eventually, obviously, they threw him out, as everywhere else did. Okay, one player is those resistance fighters and they have very few cubes and they have a map of 
Madrid, the Starlines have split into different zones, and they are trying to just slow down the Napoleonic player who has many more troops and more turning up and moving through, but who can't see exactly what the other player's doing. And they both have special cards you can play at certain times. So there's like a hidden movement aspect to it. There's a, for Napoleon, how much of my forces do I throw into this because if I don't get it done quickly enough they'll have slowed me down enough for the resistance to win now they can't win the overall thing they can win the game and be like you resisted enough and well done and what's the, the key to it is that they feel very very different and very very thematic but both sides feel under a lot of pressure but during this thing where the blue player is definitely winning like if you just stood back and went well blue's taking over the whole map yeah but are you doing it well enough and it really is that that fine balance between the two sides is fantastic. So my number eighty game is Doth the Mail. Yeah, I mean when you first got this, you were you were raving about it, and I, I couldn't see how this little tiny game comes in a quite small box could with the the blue and the red cubes could be that thematic. But it really is. You 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 forced my hand to make me play it one time, and I really enjoyed it. It's a very good game, and you really do feel. You don't think you're going to feel pressure as the French. You, yeah, you get the Spanish. You're just trying to survive as long as you want. A little bit of guerrilla warfare going on and just eking away at the French. You know you're going to get overwhelmed sooner or later, but you're trying to slow them down, as Ren has said. But with the French, I thought, oh, this is just going to be like piling on, piling on, piling on. But isn't you feel that pressure because there's these piddly little Spanish forces and you're the mighty French forces under under Napoleon and you should be wiping these off the floor off the ground as easy as anything but you're not and he starts getting frustrating and he's, he's starting to think right what am I doing wrong a very very thematic game in a, in a little package and uh, yeah a very good choice Ronan well thank you very much I appreciate that you're number 80 Sean my number 80 and I think I'm on solid ground here is 1960 the making of the president from Z-Man and GMT it's all about Kennedy versus Nixon and their run to the presidential elections in obviously 1960. The very like highly thematic with real events and real news items come out. And it's a game that really gave me an insight into how the American political system works and how those presidential elections work. And it, it's the game that actually makes me look at those presidential elections, understand what's going on and enjoy the process and find it quite exciting. And it's just a very good, it's two player game, a lot of two in and throw in and back and forth and trying to get this area and trying to win the media in that area. It's just a very good production all round. Uh, it's been redone recently and I'm not sure how good that production is, but I always loved 1960 making of the president. We've both chosen two-player asymmetric games with red and blue cubes in. <laughs> we have. They're slightly different experiences. Card-driven as well. Slightly different experiences. 1960. The only reason this isn't in my top 100 is lack of plays in probably the last decade. Because if we'd done this 10 years ago, it would have been my top 100 because we played it a lot back then. I think in terms of kids and life and having that three, four hours to set aside to sit down and just really dig into this, not happening so much, but what a game. An amazing game. I agree with everything you say. Very good. Well, we're off to a good start. Oh, I know you like 79 because it was in your last list. It's Lords of Waterdeep. <laughs> so that was easy. It's, uh, we talked about it last time. It's work placement. Jeff, I, I'm, I'm way, way behind on my podcast. Jeff Engelstein was on Roll for Crit and he was talking about a game and I'm really struggling to remember what it was. But he just said, you don't have to innovate all the time. Sometimes you can perfect. And the example he used was rom-coms. Now, all rom-com films follow 
more or less the same formula, right? But some of them are done so well, they're still really good films and you enjoy it because the characters are good and you're, you know, you can enjoy the film for what it is. Lords of Waterdeep is like the best rom-com as a game. It follows the structure of a Euro game perfectly, but it does it all so well and it's so pleasant. And at the end, you're smiling because, you know, Tom Hanks has met or Sandra Bullock has met the love of their life and it's all happy and everyone's having a good time. So there you go. Lords of Waterdeep, the rom-com of games. Some people are going to hate that analogy, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I, would, I would have praised you for that analogy if you hadn't robbed it from Jeff Engelsting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've slated his game so often on this podcast I feel like I've got to big him up because I really think he's a, obviously a very clever and interesting fella and I love to listen to him talk about games so yeah Lords of War wonderful game my 79 is a game where I've kind of beat the drum for this for ages and nobody really gets it nobody wants to play it because it looks so drab and euro it's signori or signori from what's your game and it's just one of those games that people who play it seem to really like it but nobody really wants to play it until they've played it if you get what i mean if that makes any sense (laughs) until they're forced to play it or just think oh on a whim they'll pick it up it's a very abstract Euro game. The The rough theme is that you're, a, again, you're a rich family in Florence, I believe it is, and you're trying to push your sons and daughters out to, to various parts, like build them, send them out through the church system or the army system or get them married off. And it's all done through a dice drafting mechanism, which is really interesting because you can either take dice for their, for their values and try and get the most out of them, but if you stay within a certain level of all the dice you draft in that round, if you, I think it's under 13, you get a really cool bonus. So it's, do you push for that or do you do you really push the high numbers on the dice to get your sons and your daughters up the tracks quicker? Very crunchy Euro game. I absolutely adore it. And I always have done from the first day I've played it. But yeah, I'm not on my own, but I'm, I'm feeling a bit lonely. I couldn't remember whether I played it or not so I looked up on Board Game Geek and I still can't remember whether I played it <laughs> Did it I looks play like it so you? many other games and it all looks like so many what's your game games as well Yeah, same yeah. sort of palette and the, I don't know did I play it with you when you were going on about it I don't think you ever played it um, it's pretty highly ranked I mean it's 805 yeah uh, but, and it's got 3000 ratings and it's when what's your game will become big but it, it's I mean, part of it is that theme and that box where, you know, <laughs> you're, you're a Renaissance family trying yeah, to climb into society. It's... It blends into the background 100%. It's one of those you just you wouldn't spot on the shelf. You wouldn't spot from the synopsis. You wouldn't really, it doesn't stand out of any crowd. Yeah, money's always tight. <laughs> Sounds about right. I've read it now. I don't know, mate. I can't remember if I played it or not. Perhaps that's the best review I can give it. There you go. <laughs> right. You're 78, Ronan. Was also on your list last time. And it's Luna. Stefan Feld, brilliance. It's got spatial okay. aspects to it. It's resource. Man, you can only have one of resource at a time, but time when you have that resource and when you don't. And then those odd times where you need to use a resource twice in a round. So you're trying to set things up very cleverly to be able to do that and avoid the, uh, the apostate, wherever his name is, and be at the right place for the moon priest there. So move around these islands and there's just enough going on for it to be peak Feld for me. So I know you like it and I like it. And we talked about those. It's number 78 is a lunar. 
Very good, yeah. Yeah, as I said last time, very good game. Really like it. My 78 is dipping into the family market, as I sometimes like to do. And it's the Draftosaurus from Ankama Games. A simple little family weight game where you are drafting dinosaurs and you're passing around and you're putting them into your park to either get set collection in various areas or to score in other ways. Lots of different ways to score. There's uh, two sides to the board. There's even a couple of expansions available. We love it in my, in my family. We have a lot of fun. It's just easy to put on the table and easy to get rid of and doesn't take up any time. So draft the source, my number 78. I mean, those are terrible ways to complement a game. Doesn't take up much space, doesn't take up much time. <laughs> Could be longer and more painful. <laughs> I was Better. trying to think of a way to say it, it doesn't outstay its welcome again. <laughs> Better than any 15-minute drafting game with dinosaurs has a right to be. When you got it for us, I was a bit horrified. And then we played it, we're like, oh, yeah, actually, that is really good fun. It's a, it's a clever little filler. Cool, cool, cool. Right, number 77, Roland. Seeing as you took us into family games, I'm going to keep us in family games. Unfortunately, we're all going to die of dehydration because my 77 is Forbidden Desert. it's forbidden island taken and ramped up in terms of complexity and difficulty and it's a real challenge you must work together as a team you must play your role to perfection so sometimes players are having less fun turns in order to help out fellow players which is a more advanced concept than Forbidden Island when you're all feel like you're a hero and you're trying to get, you know, people to get their, their treasures and feel like they've done something amazing. In Forbidden Desert, sometimes you must subsume the individual for the sake of the collective. It works, it's thematic, it's different every time, and it's a very, very tough co-op, and I love tough co-ops. So Forbidden Desert made it as my number 77. I like Forbidden Desert. I like it a lot, but my family preferred Forbidden Island. So... I don't know if Forbidden Desert will stay in our collection because we really like Forbidden Island. We we still get a challenge out of Forbidden Island and we're not really playing it often enough to, to progress past it. So I think when space is at a premium on the old game shelves and everywhere else in the house, I think Forbidden Desert might be on the way out, but it's still a really great game. I think give James another two or three years and then try Forbidden Desert with him and yeah... Yeah, but you've got it, so we can always borrow it. <laughs> can't see it anywhere, but I think I've got it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have. I played it with you many times. So. No, well, I definitely had it anyway. Cool, right. My 77 is my first dip into Cult of the New-ish. It's not brand new. It's uh, been out for a few years. It's Obsession. Pretty much down to Nabby the board game, as people often call it, from Kayenta Games. You are... Obviously, the nobility in England in a certain time period, and you're building up your estate and you're building up your relationships with the other nobility. And you're doing this by tableau building, it's a bit of deck building where you're taking cards into your hand and using those. You've also got a pool of workers that represent the different staff, the housemaids, and all that kind of stuff going on. And you've got to make use of all of those little things to. to to drive your house up the social echelons to be the best in the in the game. Really cool. Really quite crunchy for despite the theme, and I, I've I fell in love with it straight from the off. I do like Downton Abbey though, so that probably played a part. I've never seen a single episode. Have you really? 
Yeah, never. Oh, I like it. I, I got, but I kind of like that old sort of nobility and lords and ladies and seeing what the staff got I got up to behind their behind their sort of backs and stuff. That's because like, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. It just reminds me of <laughs> No, no, no. I was born taking a piece of pie off a silver spoon. <laughs> that, that indeed is true. <laughs> How old were you when the doctor told your mother to feed you meat? Six oh, weeks God. or something. I was six weeks. It was I like, think it wasn't far off it. It was way before you should be feeding the baby solids, and then <laughs> she was like, "Doctor," because she was Irish. I, I can't keep him fed, and he's like, mm, "I think you probably just have to give him some proper grub." <laughs> Looking at the size of him, <laughs> look at the size of him. He'll eat you if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Genuine conversation that happened. Anyway, um, obsession. Firstly, how old are you it, it, when it came out in twenty eighteen? I'm not really caught the news. Oh, was it 2018? I thought it was 2020. I, uh, I think that's when it became more widely available, because this is 2018, right. so I'm mocking you. Secondly, I'm a shallow person, and I can't get past that box cover. Oh, it's shocking. It's awful. It looks like it was designed by a... Not, not even a 10-year-old. A 10-year-old would do better. By an 80-year-old who's just discovered how to use a computer for the first time. Wow. <laughs> You've got to really make it personal, haven't you? I would just say it's a bad cover. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no idea how it plays, but I'm willing to play it. But sure, everyone tells me it's amazing. Cool. Very good. You're 76. Clash of Cultures. Oh, it's a good one. It is a good game. And it slipped because I haven't played it, but it's, it's kind of... I've got a pile of games that I want to replay again and put some time into, and it's very slowly, very slowly filtering its way through those more plays. I reckon I've said that for five years in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, you run a, a little civilization, you have a little tech tree, you're trying to build up cities, trying to influence other people's cities, have little clashes here and there, and you're trying to score points as you go, and there's plenty of interaction, there's barbarians appear on the board. It's, it's the first sort of third of a civilization computer game put into board game with nice plastic bits it's been reprinted with all the expansion stuff included via kickstarter recently or recently ish uh i have all the expansion stuff from the first time around so i didn't need to do that and the expansion adds that you are particular nations and you have particular goals and it splits up tech tree because it could get a little bit same you'd find your way along it it's not a very expansive one and you'd be like running the same thing again although i found the interaction between the players always kept things interesting you always had to be on your toes uh sean was particularly mean at stealing bits of your city with a little bit of influence here and there he's like i don't like conflict in games but the sneaky conflict he's perfectly happy to just <laughs> look at your hard work and steal it from you so you know don't, don't listen to any of that nonsense clash of cultures uh, is probably the best civilization type game that i've played even if it's slightly too slight towards conflict, and you have to be aware of that. But my number 76, Clash of Cultures. Yeah, I really like Clash of Cultures. I, I probably haven't played it enough, but it, I, I also own it. I also own the expansion, so even though the Monumental Edition was tempting, I was strong, Ronan, and I, I resisted, so I don't own both of them now. And, yeah, Clash of Cultures... I didn't like that bit at first, but then when I realised how beneficial, where you can sort of usurp into somebody else's city and just start earning things off their city. I hated that at first, but then I realised actually I could be really good at that. So <laughs> I started using it, as Ronan mentioned. But yeah, really good game. And another good choice, Ronan. Strong. Strong. Keep it going now, because yours is a bit strong, weak on mine strong. so far. <laughs> now, I will mention a game that I think you quite like. But you like another game better that a lot of people put the hold the two together and compare them. Okay, hold so, on, hold on. When you mention this game, is it your seventy six or are you leading into some sort of big 
big story. Are we going mental? <laughs> well, I'll mention, I'll mention this game. It is my 76. Okay, I want to be clear before uh, I start ranting at you. My 76 is Yukon Airways and comes from Ludenova. And I, I just love this game. We played it actually recently, a few couple of weeks ago. And I just really... I realise once again why I like this game so much. So you got you start off with a really cool dice selection mechanic, which not only sets up the turn order for the game, but the further down the selection you go, the more bonus you get. So it gives you that nice choice of where where do you want to go, what bonus do you need, or do you really want to go first to make sure? And why do you want to go first? Because you are boarding your plane and you're going out to pick up or deliver drop-off passengers to certain locations. And it's all randomised with cubes where those passengers want to go and what have you around the Yukon. And on top of that, you're upgrading your plane constantly and trying to make your plane more efficient at what it does so you can get to those far-flung parts of the Yukon. I, I love upgrading things. I love upgrading things in games. The dice selection mechanisms I, I found really interesting. And the whole thing, I think it's just such a clever game. Kind of flew, well, flew under, given it's a game about aer- airplanes, the radar a little bit. Not a lot of people talk about this, but I absolutely adore it. Now, the game that people compare it to is Castell. And I finally had my first game of Castell a couple of months ago. And in my opinion, Castell doesn't touch the heels of this game. I think this is way superior. And I was quite disappointed with Castell off the back of that. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a slap in the face now. You couldn't keep things civil, no? <laughs> we couldn't just be friends. You couldn't, you couldn't just go Yukon Airways and I say... I liked it, and it's memorable. It's got a different theme. It's a theme very well, and with a bigger publisher, I think it would, could have been a really big hit. It was a well-designed game. We couldn't stop there, no? <laughs> you take your filthy hands off Castell, and you keep it out of your mouth. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Something wrong with you. Who not take Castell's name in vain again? Nat was the same. Nat likes Yukon Airways, and I said, I didn't really enjoy Castell. She she pretty much hauled off over the table and hit me. Wow. Like, when Castell comes up, all right, then we'll finish this conversation because it's coming up later. <laughs> it has got the biggest drawback for anything in any game. You can I can wear it as a hat. You couldn't awesome. really, though. It was kind of perched a bit on top of your big body. It was perched a little bit, but perched is better than you got it. Let's face it. <laughs> And <laughs> even if it's a corner of my head. <laughs> Yukon Airways, Sean, is a nice Yukon game. Yukon Airways like is my 76. With the theme and the play. and the it's a, it's a good game and it's a good choice. But you're wrong about Castell. Okay, okay. This Now, 75 is the most difficult game to place in any list for me. All right? It's Marvel Champions. Oh, God, my God. I thought this was top 10 material. Not a chance. <laughs> you thought because you play it so often and you seem to love it you talk about it afterwards oh we did this and we did that but it's not a very good game <laughs> <laughs> it's just not balanced enough it's so it's the great bits about it are so it's it's the living card game from Fantasy Flight it's hard to remember what all the Marvel games are now it's the living card game where each player is a hero they have a deck of between uh I can't remember how big the decks are. I think it's 40 to 55, something like that. 15 of the cards are individual for each of the heroes. And then you can add in cards from, from an aspect to make them like a leadership player or an aggressive player or a protective player. And then you go against the villain. 
in a story and there are campaigns available and there's all sorts of stuff and you work together in order to defeat whatever is going on defeat the schemes and yeah the reason you have to play it as much as I've played it is because it's so varied that you really have no idea what's going to happen in any game and when you build a deck against this one particular villain the game can go 10,000 different ways depending upon what order the villain cards come out if they come out exactly the wrong time you'll you could lose because you don't have the right reactions in your hand there's more control the better you get the game but there's still times you've got no control and things can spiral and you're suddenly like what just happened (laughs) and then other times when the synergy between the two three four of you just flows and you just crushed it and you go no that was easy so i find it really hard to rank because I love the challenge. I love the building of the decks. I love the theme. I love the fact that it's superheroes because I'm just a big kid. But as a system, it's not as tight as Lord of the Rings. It's not as hard as Lord of the Rings, although Lord of the Rings was less fun and it's able to just pick up and play because you had to build a specific deck for each scenario. It is certainly not as tight as Arkham Horror LCG and not as honed and experienced because... It has to be, because with the theme, you have to feel like you can make grand moves, and then bad things can suddenly happen, and you can make unlikely comebacks. And all of that comes through, and each game is like an episode of a comic. But you have to accept that you're going to be on a ride, and you're not fully in control, despite the fact you might be there. I mean, a four-player game can take three or four hours easily. And sometimes random will have a massive impact on that. And you have to take that... and. I find it easier to take with a Marvel theme than I would with some other themes. So I play it loads. Apart from the crew, it's my most played game of the last year. But I still see its flaws, so it's really hard to rate. So it's gone in at 75. And Sean, I just don't know. I think you summed up everything I wanted to say, but on a much lighter scale. I've not played it nearly as much as you, but in in the few times I have played it, I've had really good games of it where I've really enjoyed them. I've had really frustrating games where nothing seems to chain and nothing seems to work. And there's also, if you go away from it for a long time, it's learning it again. And I found I find it a little bit difficult to learn. And who, who am I going to play it with? And it's like James would be my obvious candidate and he struggles a little bit with the nuances of the decks and stuff like that. So I've got it. I keep thinking, right, I'm going to sell that or trade it. And then I go, no, 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 but there's a good game in there. But then I think, but it's too much pain to get it out and learn it again and get it get to the point where we are enjoying it. So, and yeah, I go to and fro all the time. So, yeah, I, I feel your pain, but um, the highs aren't as, as high for me as they are for you. Yeah, they're pretty high. Like, oh, no, we have a good game with this, man. I'm like, this is wicked. Where it's tight <laughs> and it's tough and people are coming out with great plays and they've done something very clever with their car. You're just like, oh, that was nice. Yes, I like that. <laughs> it gives me that often enough that obviously I've been playing it tons. Okay, you're 75, Sean. My 75, I think this is where I start being on quite shaky ground with you, Ronan. It's Clinic, and I'm specifically talking about Clinic Deluxe from AV Studios. And Clinic Deluxe is all about building up your hospital and basically earning money from uh, running a hospital. There's a massive uh, spatial awareness part of it where you're trying to run your your staff, your nurses and your doctors through the hospital as efficiently as possible. So you start off with just the ground floor, then you can build up uh, through, I think, up to about five floors. You can even put like a heli port at the top to bring patients in more efficiently. 
And you've also got to worry about things like parking, a really abstract, and I'm using the word crunchy a lot on this one, but this one really is a headache in terms of getting everything right to make it as efficient as possible. But it's a headache I really enjoy. It's not one that you can sit down and play sort of every every night of a, of a week. You'd probably need a bit of a break because of the headache afterwards. But once every four or five months, I do like to bring this out and, and take on the challenge that is clinic. <laughs> Two <laughs> games that are hard for me to rate in a row. <laughs> <laughs> clinic does a lot of things very well but for me, stretches the reasoning too far into where not only the theme is stretched, but the actual way in which I'm playing and the internal logic of the game becomes absurd. And the reason why I'm putting things together makes absolutely no sense. And I'm trying to do these things to make movement around the hospital more efficient for passengers for passengers well i'm not at work for customers yeah. <laughs> for not customers i'm still not at work for patients for patients to make the movement of patients around the hospital more efficient but the rules don't make any sense in any world if you put something in then they can teleport but then they can't have rooms the same vertically adjacent to each other but if you have a lift, it changes the movement. Another. And that's one of the aspects. I mean, there are other aspects about like that placement of rooms, one above the other. You're like, why can't that go above there? And like I say, it, it brings the internal logic of the game that I must follow into a category of absurd to me, where I'm constantly having to check what the in-game rules are because they don't make any sense and they're just there to make a puzzle. And yet they've had all this theme thrown on them, which is strong in some aspects. And I understand it. So I have a real dissonance between the two parts of the game whereby I'm following this thematic game and then there's just this lunacy in the midst of it. <laughs> so I enjoyed Clinique well enough, Clinique, Clinique, whatever, but that is a barrier too far from me into the immersion I need for it to be considered a very good game. So that's why it will be nowhere near my top 100. You're not wrong. You're not wrong because we always say... The theme in a game often helps with the with the teaching and the learning of a game because you can start putting things together. It doesn't in this. The theme is there. You are curing patients or hopefully curing patients and you are a profitable business and you're trying to make a profit out of that. But yeah, as you already said, you, you can't put certain rooms together and there are sort of some leaps of faith where a doctor can disappear here and appear here and... It, it doesn't really make any sense so it kind of stops the learning process but once i got my head around it to a degree because you're still you do forget things and you do end up oh i shouldn't have put that room next to that oh no uh you just have to live with that but the whole experience for me was just such a, an interesting and tough puzzle that's why i like it okay number 74 sean i played this a week or two ago with the rather groovy Necromancer Island expansion. But however <laughs> you want to play Small World, I know there's going to be some people groaning, some people cheering. It's a it's a beast of much reputation nowadays. Small <laughs> World is my number 74. I'm cheering, Rowley. It's a good game, Sean. It's the, I, I don't care what anyone says. Yes, it's simple. It's a simple framework for player interaction. 
the choosing of the races and the powers together is situational. It's a lot to do with timing, the whole when to go into kind and when not to, the variety that's available for it. There's too much variety available for it, let's be honest. There's been every version of Small World made in the world. The Necromancer Island makes it a one versus many, but in a subtle way, whereby you're not just all picking on one because you won't win that way. But if you don't keep them under control, they'll win. Nathan... Nathan, <laughs> yes, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that it is unfairly maligned by gaming snobs. And now I would say that sometimes I am a gaming snob, but Small World gets away with it because I find it charming and I always find it interesting. And there's always decisions to make on your turn. And the decisions you make affect the whole game around the table. Because if I'm firing into Ellie, well, then Sean maybe needs to do something else because we were all balancing off against each other all the time. So Small World is my number 74 game. Yeah, it's a great game. I I often wonder if it's all to do with the gaming journey that people have taken, because we discovered Small World quite early in our our gaming journey, and uh, while we still had young children and things like that. So I wonder if that's why we've got the love for it, and people who come at it maybe... Uh, it's almost like a veteran come and go, oh, what's that? That's too simple for me. What a load of rubbish. Don't understand the, the fuss about that. So I always wonder about that. But it is is—it's just it is a simple game, but it's just such a fun game. And surely we get into this this hobby to have fun. And that's what Small World does. It just, it just packs fun. So, yeah, great choice. I think mechanically simple, but actually deciding the best way to interact with people and playing that is, is more yeah. complicated than people give it lovely right my 74 i know i'm on shaky ground it's golem from crania creations oh my we reviewed sweet. not that long ago so we won't not get to charge you're crazy <laughs> this is your i'm looking back through your previous whatever picks to see if this is the worst one you've chosen carry on <laughs> yeah golem set around the the um not myth or the story of the golem of prague where a rabbi basically created a golem to defend a, a local town from the people who were coming into the government, effectively. And you are the rabbi in the game, and you're building these golems, and you're going out along the streets of Prague, and you're scoring points in loads of different areas, but three main areas. And you're just trying to go up the tracks, and yes... It's a bit confusing. The rules are great, and sometimes it takes a, a while to get hold of, but I I fell in love with with Golem. I just love... The action selection is all done by marbles coming through a, a marble tray, and they, they split up, and you take whatever one you take, it depicts what uh, action you take. The strength of that action is how many marbles are on that particular row. Uh, always like that mechanism in games, and... The point scoring, once I got my head around it, all made sense to me. And yeah, we we talked about it. Go back a few episodes, you'll see our review. Ronan definitely didn't like it. I did. So, Golem, it's my number 74. My score for it was above 50. Was it? Oh, I thought you hated it. I thought it was like 30. (laughs) Because there is functional Euro stuff in there. It's just overburdened. And there's too much fiddle and there's an illusion of choice whereby you end up going down two or three tracks anyway. So there's actually a limited number of strategies and it was just a lot of work for what I got back out of it. It was too microtransaction-y. It was too 
clockworky. This cog turns, this cog turns, this cog turns, this cog turns, and not in a smart overall strategic way, in a tactical, how do I get anything done way. They're having to match the marbles up. Just, I know it's a small thing. It's just a step too far. There's just too much little fiddle in it. I wish it had been cleaned out a bit and there was a good game in there, but just does not suit my style. And alongside Fauna, your worst choice so far. <laughs> well, I think that is kind of where we sort of, um, our path split, isn't it? Where I do tend to to like the more tactical games where you're kind of, you're working off what you've got and you're trying to eke out little bits here and there. You do like to think, right, where, this is where I'm starting, this is where I want to finish. So you're more of a strategical player, I feel. Yeah, I'm just a better person. Well, that's it. You you do love your big last turns and you're, you're quite famed for it in our gaming groups. Like, oh, fame, that's a there. big word, faint. <laughs> uh, hated for? Hey, well, okay, hated. I was being nice. You are quite hated for. <laughs> I'm no Buria. Come on now. <laughs> and I'll tell you all the rules. Okay. <laughs> Number 73 is Seven Wonders, Sean. Great game. Not a seven-player game, though. Let's just play four or five players. Let's keep this. Let's keep this sensible. Then we can see what's going on around the table, and then we can all interact with each other. And then we can see what cards are. We're on top of things, and we know what's going down. Drafter, I love a drafter. Simple resource system. It's got all that interaction whereby, yes, you're considering what you've got. You're considering what your neighbours have got. You're considering what's around the table, who's doing what. There's the possibility of adding expansions. I don't love any of them. I think Armada was quite fun. The others kind of put you in a situation where I'm straight jacketed now and if the cards don't fall my way I'm not going to do this whether someone who's leaders and cities and stuff falls into that the team game whereby you're playing in pairs is superb and has definitely helped keep this in my consciousness but as a 3-4-5 player drafting Euro-ish game no definitely Euro game because it's all about resource management building stuff I think this is fantastic and has never been bettered in all the time that it's been out. And it holds a place in my heart as the first game I ever bought at any Essen. So Seven Wonders is my number 73, Sean. Yeah, really good game. I was going to say about teams making it even better than it was. I was I was fine. I would always play a game of Seven Wonders, but teams was like one I'd actively seek out. It was, it was such a lot of fun, and it just brings a little element to it. So yeah, Seven Wonders, great choice, Ronan. Thank you very much. My number 73 is Dodals from Cosmos. And randomly designed designed by Klaus Tuber or Toiber, for who obviously of Catan fame, but a very much lighter experience than Catan. It's making shapes out of plasticine or plasticine, as we say in the UK, or what I and People have got to guess what it is. And they ask you questions, oh, is it is it alive? Can you eat it? Is it a machine? And as the guesses go up, you start earning more points. But the longer they go, your points go down. But that's all just faff around the edge. What it is, is a, is a way to mock and abuse your family. What was that? How in earth was that a teacup? You're, you're absolutely mental. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Just a lot of laughing, a lot of abuse, flying around the table. Dodles is a family favourite in this house. Who do you know that says plasticine? <laughs> Me, probably. Where'd that go? Yeah. You still think about obsession or something? You say plasticine? Yeah, plasticine. 
<laughs> you don't say you don't say plaster when you're putting on a, a, a band aid, do you? Well, I, all right, I don't say band aid for starters. Take that. Back. Yeah, I was trying to find a different word for plaster. A dressing. A dressing. An adhesive wound dressing. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't say you, you don't say plaster unless you're from up north. You, you also don't say plaster. plastic. Can I have a plastic cup, please? <laughs> I might What's wrong that, with man. you? Plasticine. <laughs> Come get on it. Okay. Anyway. Donald's is a fine game. That's in that. Remember they had this conversation. I was frankly bored about the meaning of the word "fine." It is a tricky word. This is a fine game. This is a good game. <laughs> a very good family fun experience very enjoyable this is a good choice i haven't forgiven you for golem but this is a good choice. <laughs> i think you'll i think you'll be quite pleased with my next two so i, think I better be because i'm looking at this and i'm not sure about this list you've given me okay number 72 sean you're never gonna see it again and i'm sorry if this annoys you because you want to get it and you can't get it it is forbidden stars the collaboration between games workshop and fantasy flight games when Fancy Flight were at their peak of bringing out these big, plasticky, car-driven, dice-driven extravaganzas. Do you know, we we talked about the decline of FFG over the years and the way they've been stripped out by Asmodee. I went and looked at the in-flight report for Gen Con 2022. Man, they've just been torn. The guts has been ripped out of that company. They've got that massive roll and ride based on Twilight Imperium, haven't they? They've got that. They've got a Star Wars deck building game that's coming out, which there was just a teaser, and M- like Marvel Champions updates. There wasn't really too much dead. more than that. Oh Remember In-Flight Report used to be like that? Oh, oh, and they were talking about the Arkham LCG, the next um, what's coming out there where there's a map and you could go around and go to different locations at different times. It's non-linear. That's exciting. Anyway, oh, I'll get back yeah, to Forbidden cool. Stars. Forbidden Stars was <laughs> you were one of the factions within Warhammer 40k, Space Marines or the Eldar or the Chaos Marines. I can't remember exactly who was in the box because I haven't played it for a while. And depending on how many players there were, there's a modular map set out of different planetary systems that produce different resources and you're going along conquering systems and building up some resources. There was a Euro system to it and trying to get to certain goals. And people had goals that were laid out and they were different for each player, but it, it led to direct conflict where you had to go after certain things. And you've got different units and the way you put out orders is you lay them down face down in stacks. And then when it comes to your turn, if one of yours is on top of a stack, you take it out and you do it. But you had to time it so that the right ones were coming out at the right time because you had to do things on a turn like... It wouldn't be this simple. Produce the resources before you can build the thing. And if you got the mistiming or went wrong, or you didn't predict what the other players were going to do, it could screw you a little bit. Uh, it had a combat system, which could go on a little bit. So if you're playing a four-player game, especially in those combats that you weren't involved in, you could have some downtime. But the whole overall strategic experience was absolutely epic. But you felt in control. It... it felt strategic it didn't feel just random and chucking dice and like oh let's just see what happens it felt like i have made decisions as to how strong i'm gonna be in this combat and i have weighted this my way and yet i can't predict exactly what's going to happen all the factions felt different we will never see it again because unless guys watch them have get together which really doesn't seem very likely guys watch are pushing their own board game line strongly now there is a fan created expansion uh, which is based in Poland, I believe, which has got a bunch of factions, and from everything I hear, is amazing. 
you can order to get the cards printed professionally and they'll give you the 3D model, uh, whatever they are, designs. You can print them out. There's been a big UK group order recently. I didn't jump in just for the fact that I haven't played Forbidden Stars enough or recently enough to me to go, I'm going to spend 100 quid on this Fatman expansion. But I was sorely tempted. I was right on the edge of it. It is just a completely interactive, strategic, epic experience. It's brilliant. So... If you do get a chance, play Forbidden Stars. I have got the chance because I own it and I've still not played Forbidden Stars, Ronan. So it's been on my shelf of shame. It must be like seven years now. It's been sat up there unplayed, unpunched, and yeah, just sat there winking at me. My excuse for that, I think, is the person who I would play that would be with you and people around at your house. So you you own the copy, so... That's where I'd probably get it played. I don't think James is old enough, and that certainly doesn't like combat games. But, yeah, from what I hear, it's brilliant. And I thought you had taken the jump in that Facebook group because I saw your name in the group. I thought, oh, he's got that. That'd be interesting, but obviously not. Can we not talk about it? Because I'm a bit guy I didn't. But I'm kind of like, <laughs> yeah, but it's... Yeah. Uh, I think, again, another one. I'm just predicting your future. Give James maybe 13, 14. He's good at games, maybe not. And because two player it works, and okay. I think that the two you might absolutely love it because cool. it's it some game. It is some game. Well, he plays he plays uh, mythic battles with me, so. Yeah. Oh no, it's way deeper than that. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, my number seventy-two. I know I'm on solid ground here with Ronan. It's Shakespeare from Mystery Games. We talked about this a few times on the podcast. A really tight, a super tight Euro game based on putting on a, a performance of one of Shakespeare's plays. You're drafting cards and characters into your hand to take actions with those characters. And there's a really interesting me- mechanism where you decide how many actions you're going to take at the beginning of the round. And it's all like a, a, a hidden reveal. Everyone reveals at the same time. And then the characters or the actors that you use during that turn, they're all exhausted bar one for the next round. So you know you can't use those for at least the the round after that. So you've got to plan ahead really carefully and you're building up in different areas. You're either going through the acts or you're building up. There's this um, like a pyramid that you're building up, which is the set design of of the show. But it always ends up really tight with one person winning by one or two points here or there. And I absolutely love it. I got rid of my copy in the full knowledge that Ronan has his because again it's one that Nat really didn't get on with at all and uh, but I still love it it's Shakespeare there is the odd wrongen who really takes games, <laughs> isn't there? I had no idea you liked it this much I love it absolutely adorable I, I had not picked up on that or I just don't listen to you I don't know it's one a bit of column A a bit of column B <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one of the great things about it to me is the play length versus decisions you have to make it's very quick and the things you're doing are quick. And you set your little plan out and five minutes later, the round's over and you're done. And then you do a bit of admin and then you spend a bit of time agonizing about what your plan's going to be. And then you roll again. But also you have to react to what other players are doing. It's not a heads down Euro. And you are worried, oh, if they grab that. And then when you put the expansion in, that having to watch other players becomes even more so because the unused things you have become useful. So when you make that decision about how many actions I'm going to take, the unused markers get used in order to purchase cards that have effects. But you still want to get done the main things you want to get done, 
But if there's an important card to draft with your unused markers, it's, it's another pull the other way of going, oh no, the expansion is brilliant, especially for the size of it. It's just a little thing. Yeah, Sean is not the last we're going to hear of Shakespeare. <laughs> cool, right. So your final game of today, number 71. Is Old West auctiony, slightly mouldy if you bought the first edition, fantabulousness, <laughs> Sean. What is it? Homesteaders. It is Homesteaders. Homesteaders is brilliant. It is a very, very tight game, which will get done in an hour, in which the players are bidding with money, which is very tight, in order to get buildings to run a small work placement, but a whole resource engine. And the resource engine in this game can be incredibly flexible because the one of the main resources you can get is trading tokens. And there's a whole trading system which you can make better for yourself, which you can take anything and turn it into anything else. And a lot from there, give yourself opportunities to create more resources, but it's all done in just 10 rounds and in an hour long playtime and of agonizing decisions of how much money to spend on these auctions and there are limited numbers of each building so if someone takes the building that you're after because i'm going to say limited i mean one or two copies someone takes the building you're after you then have to be flexible enough to switch around and you have to make sure your engine has been built to be flexible as well as scoring points all the way through people score points in different ways i always get abused for going for the railway strategy i don't care i like trains they pay for mortgage so i like trains (laughs) (laughs) and it must have come on BGA recently over the last couple of years a bunch of my friends have been playing it on BGA and some of them have got addicted to it and they want to play it again and again in person it means they're much better than me when I used to be the best at it and I no longer am Sean that is a travesty for all of humanity you can shed a tear for me if you want to but nothing is going to impact the fact that Homesteaders is a brilliant game and yes I've still got my first edition stinky copy it has a special place in my heart. Is that the one that came in a, in an envelope or a bag or something? No, that was Circus Train. Oh, okay. <laughs> it didn't even have all the components, and then they wouldn't give you the rest of the components. Not that I'm bitter. Not problems. that you're bitter. No, no, Homesteaders is one I can't remember if I've played. There's some familiarity. I'm looking at pictures on BGG now. There is some familiarity, but that might be just because I've seen you play it or seen it around your house. But... Uh, is it good at sort of lower player counts, or do you need the threes, fours, and fives? So you mean two? Two, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think, I'm not sure it even plays two. The box is literally part of my little cushion fort here. No, uh, three to four. Oh, three to four. Okay, that's probably why I haven't played it. I've got a funny feeling I might have got it in a trade and then realised it was a three-player game and traded it off again. That sounds more familiar. That's probably why I recognise the cards. <laughs> <laughs> I did that recently with the game. What did I get in trade? I was, I was after it for ages. Oh, Flotilla from WizKids Games. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, cool. That's, it's like a £60 game. And I got it in trade. And then I looked at it, three players only. Oh, bum. Never mind. <laughs> I'll try and get Jude to play it. Anyway, back okay. back to Homesteaders. Yeah, I don't really know much about it. Where did we go it, there? I kind of drifted off a bit. Uh, <laughs> you were talking about with kids. I don't know. Homesteaders is brilliant. We really need to play it. If you've never played it, I would be amazed if you've never played this. But if you haven't, your, your mind's going to be blown. 
You're going to love it. I promise you. This exactly your sort of game. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, bit of bit. You're getting your things in, you're doing secret trading, and then you go, what have you done? And you go, I've got all of this at the end of it. Ta-da! A little bit, got a bit of gold here and a bit of money there. You're going to love it. As long as I don't have to play your stinky version. Yes, you do. And risk getting <laughs> athlete's foot in your eyeball. Now move on. All right, my last game of today, number 71 for me, is Marvel Legendary from Upper Deck. Quite low down in terms of where I thought it might be in my top 100. I still have a problem with the setup and getting the right balance. The, the app has helped, and I really love playing it with James. He really enjoys it. And it's a great game. It's, it's still functionally, I have problems with. The icons are very small and things like that, and some of the scenarios don't work as well as others so it is a flawed game but it's marvel it's a deck builder so i still love it it's still in my top 100 and it will stay there for a long time marvel legendary are you ready for your mind to be blown go on blow that mind it's not in my top 100 really i knew i'd get you there it's no that this are marvel champions and the fact they were both marvel games well, I didn't know whether to put them in or not. And then I put in Marvel Legendary and Marvel Champions in the same space. And then I was like, no, it so I just left it as Marvel Champions. I've literally got Marvel Legendary and Champions written next to 75. And then I was like, no, I'm taking Legendary out. Because even more than Marvel Champions, it's not a great game. <laughs> it just isn't. And the, um, ah, what do they call the other one? where they actually structured it better and the enemy deck is structured and you're going through the scenarios. You know, they've got two different legendary systems. Encounters. Encounters. That is so... It, it takes that and system and makes it so much better that I was like, oh, legend, but I've got so much legendary and I've played it so much and I have fun with it. So if, it is a good game because the point of playing games is to have fun. But it's not a good game because there's too much crap in it and things can be super easy and the player count issues are so prevalent. It's like it doesn't work with two. It doesn't work with five. I don't know what to say. It's so hard for me to rate Marvel Legendary. <laughs> I feel like I don't know you anymore. I could, it could have been in my top thirty. It could have been out. It ended up outside my top one hundred. But it maybe it's like an honorary seventy-five and a half, just to mention it. Because I have oh, top hundred and one now. Is it? Oh yeah, changing those rules. Well, look, whatever I've got to do to get Golem out of this, I'll do it. Wouldn't do? I'll steal <laughs> so, one of your picks. So, that's what I was about to say. So your your Marvel Legendary is twice on my list, apparently. It's 74 yeah, yeah. and 71. It's your 74, <laughs> isn't it, Marvel Legendary? <laughs> no, I'll tell you, whatever of my games, highest up, that you haven't put in is now your number 74, and you don't get any choice on that. Okay. Yes, boss. <laughs> Marvel Legendary, I mean... <sighs> Why you got to do this to me? I was trying not to have a mental breakdown on air. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know you anymore. Who are you? It's so clever and so stupid at the same time. It reminds me of me. <laughs> Without the clever bit. Without the clever, <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> it's, sometimes it just works a dream and you go, wow, and they've done so well with this system and they've come up with this scenario that twists it. And then sometimes you play it and you're like, oh, this is just not working. And you've spent 10 minutes setting it up because I'm good at setting it up. You spend 25 minutes if you're not good at setting it up. And you go, oh, I've just wasted my life here. It's just... So I've got the smart app for the setup and even then it doesn't work. <sighs> I don't know. 
I don't know about Marvel Legendary. I don't know. I own. I stopped, had to stop buying it after about twenty expansions. The twenty seventh expansion is coming out soon. Jesus wept. I know. I know. I've probably got eighteen of them. Uh, why you got to do this to me? <laughs> I, you're, you're both right. I and thought wrong. you'd give me Jip for having it so low in my hundred. I thought oh, he's going to have it up in at least his top fifty, if not his top twenty five. And I thought. This is part of the whole choosing the top 100, though. I am endorsing these games and saying these are good games. If Is Marvel Legendary a good game? Do you have fun playing it? Sometimes. And sometimes I just get roaring and getting like my head's turning red with frustration. <laughs> I'm annoyed well, with it. It's, it's sometimes a good game because the whole point it, it's there is to have fun. So if you're having fun, then... It's good when it's when you're having fun. It is a good game, but then it's not when I'm not. It might be, yeah, true, yeah. So if you're, I didn't, I didn't know that you had those levels of frustrations with it. I thought you actually just generally liked it, but I do generally like it. But it's just loosey goosey, and I get this thing in my head when I'm when I'm recommending games and saying like this is a good game that I'm like, but is it a good game? Like, and the whole Marvel theme makes it difficult for me to judge because I love Marvel themes. Is it a tight product that does what it's supposed to do? Probably not. Have they... Could they have done things better? Yes, as they've shown with the encounter system. Yes, they could. And yes, they have done. But it's still a lot of fun. And I I think the Marvel theme makes us forgive a lot of the, the nonsense in it. A hundred percent. But then I start climbing in my own head when I'm doing the listing and write it on there and then go, oh no, it shouldn't be on there because it's too loosey goosey. But I like it. I see it. where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, there you go. Anyway. Anyway. Oh, right. There we have our 80 to 71. Roland's decided that Golem's not in there, but <laughs> I'm going to find Yeah, yeah. We're, we're one game short. We'll work that out for the <laughs> for you. In fact, play something better in the next few months, and then tell me that's your seventy-four. Just yeah, yeah. yeah, shut yeah, your yeah. mouth, <laughs> Sean. Lovely to have you back. Lovely to be back. Thank you, Ronan, and thanks for keeping the podcast going. Much appreciated. Yeah, well, so are you in my heart. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the countdown. We'll be back next time around with some reviews, and this countdown will continue. And Sean, shortly. We're going to do our review of 2021. Yes, uh, I haven't spoken to our usual guest, but I'm sure he'll be part of it, Mr. Jude. He's, yeah, he's, we'll he's really excited it. for stuff like that. Lovely. All right. Brilliant. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Ronan. And as always, we are very proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there for the Dice Tower Network and the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore if you wish to download the episodes we're on iTunes Stitcher and all those things if you're listening to it you know where to go we're on social media we have a Facebook page we have an Instagram page and we are on Twitter at Game Pit Podcast if you wish to contact us we have our email address which is thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com and we also have our Board Game Geek Guild. We love talking on either of those forums. Please feel free to drop us a line just with a comment or a question. Where We love interacting with you all. So yeah, until that time, next time, we'll catch you then. And thank you for listening. Music by E. Aaron.
Boom. 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 Boom.